What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Hayden. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Give us a rating on uh, on Apple Podcasts. You can you know follow on Spotify, all those things. Um, I will say today's episode is probably going to be a lot shorter than it usually is, um, just with all the uh, COVID issues that are going on around um, the three major sports that are being played right now. So um, a lot of this is probably going to be, you know, shorter than usual, but try to make it as informative as possible. Um, So I think we'll get right into it. Um, Obviously, at time of recording, there's still a lot of things that are in flux around the sports world. So um, obviously, don't take everything I say as fact. You know, I hope no one would do that anyway. But um, I figure that we'll get into it, get into the news around uh, local teams. Then we'll kind of go on to the uh, national stories because I feel like that makes the most sense. Um, tried that last week. It seemed like people uh, liked that. So I figure I'll, I'll try to do that again. And uh, in the coming weeks, I'll let you guys know uh, on kind of the the new direction I'm planning to take the podcast in. But uh, let's just get to the, the news and the sports right now. Um, so we'll start with the Patriots. Um, big matchup against the Colts tomorrow night. In Indianapolis, 8-15, Saturday night. Um, at the moment, this will be the only game on Saturday. Uh, more about postponements and uh, rescheduled games in a little bit when we talk about the NFL. Um, but obviously, big matchup for the Patriots. Uh, still maintaining that number one seed. Have that perfect away record. The Colts, 7-6. and six, um, Have only won three out of seven at home. So the Colts um, have not been... The best home team in the league, but I would say, you know, outside of the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs, who I think right now are the hottest teams um, in the AFC, just based on wins, um, I would say the Colts have been this, the the next hottest team um, in the AFC. Um, obviously, started the season zero and three, they're seven and six at the moment. They've won four of their last five. Their only loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. So obviously this is going to be a very challenging game for the Patriots and going up against a Colts team that I think is hitting their stride. They are very good on both sides of the ball. They have elite players on both sides of the ball. Um, Obviously we all know about Jonathan Taylor and the season that he has had um, for the Colts and how just unstoppable he's been in some of these games. Um, so I think the focal point of this game from Patriots perspective is figuring out how to slow down Taylor. And I think, you know, one of the things that will be interesting to watch in the beginning of the game, how do the Patriots choose to defend against him? Do they try to uh, stack the box? Do they try to put eight or nine guys right in there to try to stop the run? force Carson Wentz to try to beat them one-on-one with, you know, one of their receivers, whether it's Michael Pittman uh, or Zach Paschal or Jack Doyle, you know, outside of Pittman, the Colts don't really have a 
you know, elite receiver that can beat you. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how that, how that transpires, transpires. It'll be interesting to see, um, who the Patriots choose to match up with Pittman. You know, is it Jalen Mills? Is it JC Jackson? Um, you know, it'll be a very, I think it'll be a very evenly matched game, um, because I think the Colts are also very solid on defense. I would say they're a little bit more opportunistic than the Patriots defense, um, that they're going to be trying to force turnovers. Uh, Darius Leonard is one of the best linebackers in the league, and he's one of the best at forcing turnovers. So um, it will be very interesting to see how the Patriots, you know, try to neutralize him. I mean, it's going to be pretty hard. Um, Obviously, the running game has been dealt a blow. Uh, Damian Harris was ruled out of this game a couple hours ago, uh, thanks to a hamstring injury, which seemed like he hurt fairly badly in the uh, Bills game. Um, obviously, the time off between the Monday night game and now obviously has not made a difference, so he will not be playing. Uh, so Ramondre Stevenson will most likely get you know, most of the touches. Brandon Bolden will probably get some touches too. Um, but I think it be very interesting to see how Mac Jones plays you know, the weeks after that really cold game in Buffalo. This game is inside. You know, do the Patriots decide to try to air it out and throw it all over the field? Uh, Because the Colts are a team that have a pretty solid defensive line. Um, But statistically, uh, the Colts have allowed, you know, almost 250 yards passing this season. The Patriots are averaging just under 240. So, you know, I think that the Patriots do have an opportunity that they can pass the ball plenty in this game. Um, it kind of seems to me that that would be the strategy because the Patriots have, you know, I think done well against good defenses recently. You know, you think about Tennessee and Cleveland with Mac Jones throwing the football, and he did, you know, statistically two of the best games of his career um, against good defenses. So I would think that the Patriots probably want to try to air it out a little bit, but, you know, the Colts are a very opportunistic defense you know Kenny Moore has had a really good season in the secondary Xavier Rhodes is always a guy that um, is that is a threat of an interception so it'd be very interesting uh, to see how the offense plays but you know the Patriots have gotten to this point by playing great defense and you know having an offense that I'll be honest is not a threat to score 30 points every single game but it's a de- it's a good enough offense that you have confidence that they can score points and that they can, you know, punch the ball in to into the end zone when they're in the, in the red zone. You know, make field goals when they need to. You know, make those big plays on offense that can lead to points. Um, but I will be honest. I mean, I think as much as the Patriots will stack the box against Jonathan Taylor you know, it's no guarantee that it's going to work. I mean, he's had a tremendous season. You know, I still think the Colts are going to be a very tough out um, in this game. I think that it's going to be close. I mean, I think the odds makers have this as uh, the Colts favored by two and a half, and I would expect that it's going to be about as close as that, you know, a point or two that makes the difference. But the Patriots just have been playing at such a different level defensively over the last couple of weeks that it just is very hard to count them out. And the Patriots have had some of their best performances this season on the road. I mean, coming off 
in an elite defensive performance against Buffalo, you know, coming off a, a shutout in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, you know, holding Cleveland to a touchdown, holding Tennessee to 13 points, forcing a couple turnovers. Um, but the Patriots have had some impressive wins on the road, and I think that that continues tomorrow night. I think the Patriots get the win, but, you know, I would expect this comes down to a last-minute drive. Uh, do the Patriots, you know, have the football and kick a field goal, or do they force a Colts miss? You know, I really think it's going to come down to a field goal game. Um, I really think that it's going to be in the 20s. I don't think it's going to be, you know, 29 to 27, but I think that it's possible you could see something like 26 to 24. I think you could see a, a score like that, um, 24 to 23. You know, I think that obviously turnovers are going to be huge, um, but I think really it's um, what the Patriots do offensively that I think is going to make the difference in this game. You know, can they score touchdowns in the red zone? I really think it's going to, you know, come down to that. Um, but I think obviously, too, it's going to come down to how the Patriots defense performs in the red zone. You know, if they can keep the Colts out of the end zone, I think that that's going to go a long way. But the Patriots have kind of yet to prove, yet to show me that they're, you know, uh, different than the team that's won seven in a row. You know, it's hard to, hard for me to imagine that, you know, they're going to snap this this winning streak in a game against the Colts that I think, you know, it's another chance for them to prove that they truly are, you know, the team to beat in the AFC. But you know, these games are going to be huge down the stretch. Three of the next four uh, for this team are not going to be easy. And I think, you know, starting with this game, starting with starting with this game, and then you got Buffalo next week, and then you have um, the, the Dolphins the last week of the season. So um, I expect Patriots to win, but I think it's going to be a good uh, close game. I think Stevenson's going to get plenty of touches in this game. I think he's going to have a good game, um, but I like the Patriots in this game. So um, taking a look at this game, you know, I think it's going to be close down to the wire, uh, 8-15 tomorrow night on the NFL Network. I believe that it's also on um, Channel 4 CBS locally. Um, so definitely going to be a big game. So probably going to move on from the Patriots um, you're going to talk about the, uh, the Bruins who, you know, it's been a, again, it's been a really weird span of a couple weeks for the Bruins. You know, COVID is, uh, taking a toll on this team. The Bruins were missing, uh, seven players last night, um, in New York in, against the Islanders. They were missing a couple guys against Vegas on Tuesday night. Um, Craig Smith, Brad Marchand missed the game Tuesday. Um, and then you had uh, Trent Frederick, Anton Bleed, uh, Jeremy Swayman, Patrice Bergeron, and Oscar Steen that were all added to the COVID list prior to um, the game against the Islanders. As it stands right now, the Bruins' next game would have been tomorrow night in Montreal, but that game is being postponed. Postponed, I think that there is um, something with... Uh, with Quebec that I think it's a decision in terms of the, the government to uh, postpone the game. As of now, the Bruins matchup with Ottawa is still on for Sunday. Although 
it doesn't seem likely that that is going to be a game that's going to end up being played. Um, but, you know, who knows? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, but I would expect that that game does get postponed. The Bruins game next Thursday, which I believe is the 23rd against Colorado, has been postponed. Colorado has been dealing with some COVID cases. Um, I believe that it is Colorado and Florida that they have been shut down until the 26th, um, so after the, the Christmas break. Um, and then I believe that it is uh, Calgary that have had two more games postponed and they are uh, shut down until the 23rd. So you have a couple teams that are going to be shut down. You know, it kind of looks like the Bruins may be. Um, there have been some games that have been canceled this week. I think Minnesota and Carolina had a couple games uh, canceled. But anyway, getting back to the Bruins, you know, obviously having this type of COVID breakout is not ideal. I think considering the spot the Bruins have been in for most of the season as they've kind of been, you know, stuck. Kind of stuck in uh, neutral, so to speak. The Bruins, you know, have had good performances. You know, they last week when we talked, Bruins came off a, a huge win against Edmonton, and they followed it up with a huge win Saturday against Calgary. Um, you know, two good teams that, have had pretty good starts to the season. So, you know, it felt like it was something to, to build off of, something to feel confident about. And then, you know, next day, Bruins coming back from Calgary, and there's the news that, you know, Calgary has, you know, a breakout. And, you know, naturally the Bruins have had a number of guys probably test positive stemming from that visit to Calgary. And, you know, it's just... It's the nature of how things go in this, you know, I, I, you know, almost said post-COVID world, but, you know, we're still in it, you know, and I think it's just the reality of the situation that you're just going to go through some of these things. So, um, you know, it is hard to really have a true assessment of this team after last night's game, considering how many guys were out. You know, you look at that roster last night, it was basically a preseason game. You look at some of those guys that, that were in and guys that you probably didn't expect to play for the Bruins really at any point this season. Um, so it's, you know, hard to kind of have an assessment with this team after that game. I mean, the game Tuesday, Bruins had majority of their lineup available. You know, Marshawn and Smith obviously were out. But I have to say that, you know, it, it disappointed me that the Bruins you know, didn't really seem to play with much oomph in that game against Vegas. You know, I guess it was a little better last night, but, you know, it just seemed like the Bruins put a lot of shots on goal, but not a lot of them were shots with purpose, you know, and offense has been has been an issue for this team, you know, all season long. You know, it's been, it's been a hard time for guys like Pasternak and guys like Taylor Hall. You know, I think that there is something to be said for um, Pasta, you know, considering some of the things that happened with, with him over the summer. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't really want to talk about it. You know, he and his wife, I think, had, 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 had lost a child um, over, you know, over the off season, And, you know, I don't want to say, you know, this is why that he's, this is why he's struggling. You know, that, 
that doesn't seem right. You know, it just seems like we're not seeing him, you know, finish the way that we're accustomed to seeing him, seeing him finish. And I think that, you know, maybe there's just stuff going on that is just, I don't want to say we don't know about, but just maybe a lot of things mentally that are going on. I think, you know, you have to realize, you have to consider these things, you know, and I think as much as I've kind of been critical of him watching some of these games, you know, I think he's dealing with a lot. And I think it's it's natural to have, you know, maybe be off your game a little bit. Um, but, you know, Taylor Hall not really scoring many goals is, is concerning because you thought that, you know, he would be a guy that was going to be able to continue his hot play last season with a new contract. And it's, you know, not exactly happened. Um, and, you know, obviously some of the offseason acquisitions, Hull and Felino have had a hard time getting going offensively. You know, in fairness, Felino's not really a guy that the Bruins brought in to, you know, put up 40 points. But I think that, you know, him going through one of the longest goal, goal droughts in his career, you know, is concerning. It's concerning, like, a guy like Eric Hall, uh, you know, and uh, an NHL veteran, a guy who's been around and knows what's necessary, that a guy like him had to be sat down, you know, for a game or two. And it's just like, you don't expect that from a guy like that. And I think, to his credit, he played a little bit better after that benching, but it's just like, it's just not been not been good enough from him. Um, and so I think it's just, you know, you get, you got to look last night into maybe the future with some of these young guys. Um, and it's, you know, not exactly the best thing. You know, you look at Studnika and, um, you know, Frodeen, two guys that came up from Providence. Now, Frodeen, I don't know how much a part of the future he's going to be, but, you know, Studnika is the guy that I think the Bruins are, are hoping he can kind of see as a top six role, you know, and be a, uh, a productive player for this team, but it's just, you know, it's really hard to kind of get a look at that when the Bruins were missing, you know, so many key guys. Um, so, you know, it remains to be seen what's going to be next for the Bruins, you know, as they will not play Saturday. And, you know, I'm not sure what the case is going to be for Sunday. You know, it, I feel like it's trending towards not being, not happening, but, you know, I guess we'll see. And, there's a game uh, the Bruins will play in Boston on Tuesday that has not been postponed yet against Carolina. I would think that that game probably will be postponed as well, that the Bruins possibly may be a team that has to be, you know, shut down for a period and has to have, you know, games postponed because I think last night it got to a point where, okay, maybe it's not necessarily fair that the Bruins have to play with all these regulars out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but, I think just with this team this year, it's just a lot of um, hard, just hard, hard for some guys to get going. Um, and I think the Bruins, it, it's obvious that, you know, time is kind of, I don't want to say time is running out because I don't want to sound like the sky is falling. But, you know, you look at the core, you know, a big part of your core, Patrice Bergeron, it's kind of hard to know whether he's going to stick around after this season. Um, and so I think you have to start thinking about, you know, okay, what's this team going to look like in two years? 
what's this game, what's this team going to look like in three years? Um, and so I think, you know, hopefully this team can can get back on track. But I tell you, watching that game last night, you know, the Bruins had a lot of chances, especially in the second and third periods. Couldn't finish, you know, and that just that tells me that, you know, okay, this team, you know, is getting shots on goal, but not all of them are purposeful. You know, the team is getting chances and guys can't finish. And it's just, I feel like that has been told to me the entire season that, okay, they're just not finishing and the, you know, the percentages will, will even out at some point. And I just feel like, I don't feel like that's been happening. And so it just leads you to believe that, okay, you know, maybe this team is really going to struggle for a good portion of the year. Um, It'd be interesting to see if, you know, Tuka Rask comes back. Does that, you know, light a fire under this team, but it just seems like you even have like your most, your guys that you would think would be one of your top, some of your top point producers, you know, are having a hard time for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to know with, you know, the key guys being out due to COVID and games being postponed that it is, you know, hard to kind of get a clear picture of this team. And I feel like I said this, you know, months ago when the team was going through the, that period of playing, you know, two games every, every 10 days or whatever it was, you know, with the, the weird schedule that, you know, now is, is frustrating because the Bruins are likely going to have more games postponed and, you know, they wouldn't have to have these many games postponed and then moved if they, you know, are playing a normal amount of games earlier in the season. But, you know, that's how the schedule goes, and it's that's just how it goes. But I think um, the Bruins have to just, you know, if there are games that are going to be played, they just have to know that this is just the nature of the season, that, you know, guys are going to test positive, guys are going to be out, and you have to bring the necessary intensity. You have to bring the necessary, you know, focus that that's required to compete and win games at the NHL level. But, you know, on the other hand, it does give some of these young guys an opportunity to kind of show what they got. But, you know, it's just, it it does tell you that the Bruins talent pool specifically at the non, at not the NHL level, you know, is not exactly where it needs to be that, you know, the Bruins could feel very comfortable if they had drafted very well over the last few years and have the confidence to be able to be like, okay, we can call these guys up and we're, we're going to be just fine. Um, so I think, you know, we'll see what's next for this Bruins team. I mean, I'm not sure that there's going to be a lot to report next week, you know, by the time we record again. Um, but, you know, hopefully the team can use this time off to, to get healthy and, you know, hopefully be able to, once the new year rolls around, they can try to start, start, start to get going. Um, so I think it's probably, probably it for the Bruins. Uh, no makeup date has been announced for, uh, tomorrow's game against Montreal or next Thursday's game against Colorado. You'd have to assume that it's probably going to be later in the season. I saw some people wondering, on Twitter about, you know, scheduling games during the Olympic break, which, you know, in all likelihood does not look like it's going to happen. Um, 
just I think with the with the quarantine possibility um, in China, if you test positive and you know have to be there for a few weeks, um, and I think rightfully so, there are players that are very not comfortable with that. I mean, me personally, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. Um, so I saw a lot of people wondering, oh, can they make games up during the Olympic break? And you know, I think it's a fair point to wonder, but logistically. As uh, Ian McLaren pointed out on Twitter, I think for the Bruins especially, there are events at TD Garden that, you know, are scheduled and have been scheduled, you know, for that break. And so the Bruins' availability to use TD Garden, you know, there's not really much availability because things have been scheduled during that time. So um, that probably will not happen. You'll probably just see teams have games rescheduled for, you know, gaps in the schedule. You know, it just makes me even more angry that the Bruins didn't play many games, you know, earlier in the season because that kind of would have solved it. But, you know, it's whatever. The Bruins are going to have to make do with these makeups like Calgary will, like, you know, Colorado and Florida will. I mean, those three teams are very good. So, you know, the Bruins are going to have to deal with it. So, you know, I think the moral of the story is you just you just got to deal with the cards that you're dealt and there's really not too much else you can do about it. So um, I think we'll move on, talk a little about the NBA, talk about the Celtics have a uh, pretty big matchup tonight against uh, Golden State. And, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but yes, there are some uh, COVID issues on the uh, Celtics roster. Unfortunately, Grant Williams and Al Horford uh, were placed in the health and safety protocol um, this afternoon, so they obviously will not play tonight. Uh, Jordan Poole from the Warriors uh, will not play tonight as he has been placed um, in the protocol. So some key guys missing um, on both sides. The Celtics also announced that Jabari Parker and Wancho Hernan Gomez have also been placed in the protocols, but those guys are you know pretty sparingly used bench pieces. But you know the Celtics are going to be fairly shorthanded tonight against a. Uh, Warriors team that's been red hot to start the year 23 and 5. Uh, Steph Curry obviously coming off that game um, in New York the other night, setting the all time NBA three point field goal record or most three point field goals. So you have a Warriors team coming in really hot. And, you know, the Celtics, it's kind of been more of the same for them. Uh, the Celtics finishing off their horrific West Coast road trip with a 21 point loss to the Suns last Friday. Uh, but did, you know, come back home and beat a, a pretty good Bucks team. So it did seem like there was maybe something good that happened um, as the Celtics got Jalen Brown back and, you know, really seemed to play well in that game against a very good Milwaukee team that seems to be getting catching its stride. Um, the Celtics do have a homestand here right before Christmas. And, you know, currently all these games are on, you know, no, no word about any games being postponed. The Celtics obviously will play Golden State tonight. Uh, They will play the Knicks tomorrow night at the Garden, and then they will host Philadelphia on Monday and then Cleveland on Wednesday before their matchup with Milwaukee on Christmas Day um, in, in Wisconsin. So I think for this Celtics team, it's sound like a broken record, but, you know, getting the 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 guys 
you know, healthy and performing as a unit. And, you know, unfortunately, that's not going to happen tonight as, you know, Horford and Grant Williams are, you know, two of your better contributors this season. I mean, Grant Williams obviously has his people, you know, have their issues with him, but he's been a great three-point shooter this season. He's given you some good defense. You know, Horford has arguably been one of your best all-around players this season. So um, two pretty key pieces missing for the Celtics. But, hey, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are available. Marcus Smart's there, Robert Williams. So, you know, it's not like the Celtics will be severely shorthanded, but they will be, you know, not not available to use a lot of height, which, you know, may could play to their advantage. I mean, you know, Golden State does have some some big guys down low. Uh, Kevin or Kevon Looney comes to mind comes to mind um, as a guy who can you know be a force in the paint. Uh, but you know, Golden State, I think majority of those guys are kind of perimeter players or you know guys that will drive to the basket. So I don't think the Celtics are you know in a spot where okay they're playing a big team and how are they going to defend. Um, but, you know, Golden State, obviously, with Steph Curry, is a, an, an issue anytime he's on the court. You know, he'll shoot the ball from literally anywhere. So the Celtics' defensive communication has to be perfect tonight. You know, there really cannot be any slip-ups um, with Steph Curry, you know, firing off all these threes that, that he'll fire off. You know, don't think that because he's broken the record that he's going to stop shooting threes. I mean... This guy will have at least 10 three-point attempts tonight. So uh, the Celtics are really going to need to, you know, tighten up defensively um, and be able to kind of go shot for shot for Curry and the Warriors. Um, You know, Andrew Wiggins has had a really good season so far. Uh, Draymond Green has been really good. I mean, it's just crazy to me that the Warriors were, you know, so bad not too long ago, and now they're right back to being in, elite ball moving team. Um, So I think you could see a lot of points tonight, but the Celtics really have to tighten up defensively um, to have, you know, this game um, be a game that they can win. Be curious to see, you know, if some of the young guys get time off the bench, Um, Aaron Neesmith, I think probably should get some, some good run. Um, Langford as well. Um, I think, you know, Cantor probably, or uh, freedom, freedom, excuse me, uh, will probably get some play um, at some point too. Uh, but it'll be it'll be a, a challenging game for the Celtics uh, against a Warriors team that has been really good this season. But you know, hopefully, with some home games, the Celtics can kind of try to get on tr- back on track, so to speak. Uh, the Celtics currently fourteen and fourteen. We'll take a look at uh, the standings. I think we can probably take a look at the standings just to see where the Celtics are. Um, They're currently 10th in 10th right now. Um, So obviously these uh, games upcoming for the Celtics are are still on, despite the Celtics missing some guys. Golden State uh, tied for first in the Eastern Conference. Um, Obviously, you know, it was a challenging road trip and led to a lot of people kind of pointing, pointing fingers. But, you know, I think that, as we said last week, you know, the, the issues with this team go, I think, a lot more deeper than X's and O's and, you know, the roster. Um, 
But it'll be, I don't know, interesting to see what happens with this team in the next few weeks. You know, do they try to fig- can they, you know, figure it out? Can they get guys healthy? Can they, you know, play with the required effort and intensity? Um, you know, I don't think that it's a trade Jalen Brown, trade, trade Jason Tatum conversation. I don't think that, you know, that's something that needs to happen. But, you know, Dennis Schroeder is a guy that I'm not sure that he will last through the season. Um, because the Celtics, I think, as it, I think as it works, the Celtics actually cannot re-sign him. So, you know, he won't be coming back next season. So I think, you know, it would be a decision to trade him, I think, at some point. Um, just because I think, obviously, he's been a, like somewhat of a decent fit with this team. Like, he gives them another player who can score. But it just seems like sometimes he's, you know, walking the ball up and not being not being quick with his with how with how he moves the ball. So, you know, I think that the Celtics signed him just because it was like, well, you know, for such a, a cheap contract, yeah, you could get bring a guy on. Um, but I think it wouldn't surprise me if the Celtics try to move him for uh, a team that really needs like a backup point guard or even a starting point guard you know, depending on, you know, injuries or what have you. Um, and what could the Celtics get out of that? I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that's something that that happens. You know, Richardson is also a guy that's on a fairly tradable contract. I would be surprised if the Celtics did that, but, you know, I guess it's possible. But I think, you know, at a certain point, you kind of got to give some of the young guys a little bit more of a run of play with Smith and Pritchard. Um you know, as I said last time, Pritchard obviously has had his minutes cut in half practically, but, you know, I think you still have to find ways to contribute. And I know that having your minutes cut, you know, is never easy, but there still are ways that you can contribute. So I think that, you know, look for him to maybe get some run tonight. Uh, Neesmith, I think, has the ability to shoot, and I think the Celtics need all the shooting they can get against a Golden State team. Um led by Steph Curry, you know, so it'd be very interesting to see how they play tonight, but I think you got to keep up the intensity and you've got to play good enough defense. And look, Steph Curry is going to make three or four shots that you are going to shake your head and be like, how did he do that? You know, no way he can play better defense, but I think you just can't get discouraged. You just got to be like, hey, this guy's the best three-point shooter of all time. You got to tip your hat, but that doesn't mean that you don't still keep trying to play tough defense. So um, I expect that to happen tonight. Uh, the Celtics to play with some good defense, with some good energy. Tatum and Brown, I think, are going to put up a lot of points. I think Neesmith's going to have a good game tonight, uh, make a couple threes. But Golden State's Golden State for a reason. And, you know, they're a team that find, finds ways to win. Uh, but it will be definitely be a good game tonight uh, for the Celtics. So... I think that probably is is it for the Celtics. One last note on the Bruins. Um, they are currently a point out of the wild card, uh, second wild card position at the moment behind Detroit with four games um, in hand on the Red Wings. So as we talk about the Celtics, I think we'll do a quick note on the Revolution. Uh, they made a couple of moves in the last week. Uh, the Revolution sending Teal Bunbury to the um, 
sending Teal Von Brain to Nashville. I was trying to figure out what's the Nashville team name. But no, it's not Nashville SC. So they sent uh, Teal to Nashville SC. Uh, and I just will say what a run that Teal had um, here in New England. Uh, was a part of that team that went to the MLS Cup final in 2014. Um, it's meant a lot to this team. I think just his production, but also I think just from a leadership perspective. You know, he's a guy that's been around the MLS forever. Um, and I think, you know, meant a lot to this team this year um, in terms of just being a a player that was there for, for leadership and a guy who was there to um, kind of be a, guy, a, a good locker room guy, That not a guy that's going to start, not a guy that's going to play every single game, um, but he was always a key player coming off the bench um, and just good in terms of a veteran influence on this team. So uh, he will be seriously missed. He had a pretty good run of play um, here in New England. Um, let's pull up his, his, his stats really quickly. Um, um, so he made 12 starts last year. Um, was a sub in 17 games. Um, so that's like almost half. Did have three goals, had 30 shots on goal. So, um, came to the revolution in, uh, 2014 after some years in Kansas city, um, had, uh, Six goals and eight assists his first season. Um, had a, or had a high with the Revolution with 11 goals in 2018 and three goals uh, this past season. Um, and then had eight the year before. So um, happy trails to Teal playing in Nashville. I'm curious to see if he plays uh, much. The Revolution then announced uh, yesterday officially that they had traded for Sebastian Leggett from the LA Galaxy. Um, so Legette has had a, a good run of play in the MLS recently as um, he's 29, I believe he's 29, I have to look again, um, but has played for uh, the U.S. men's national team. Uh, has been a pretty good player in, in MLS um, over the last couple of years uh, that LA Galaxy just missed out on the playoffs last year by a point. Um, and so legit, we'll come to the revolution and we'll uh, likely start, I would think, you know, a guy of, of, of his talent, his caliber, uh, will likely start for a revolution team that, you know, despite losing Teal Bunbury, who I think is a was a very good veteran influence and just a good solid guy to have around on this team, um, and losing... And also losing Tejan Buchanan, who will go over and play um, in Belgium. Um, the Revolution get, you know, an all-star player, um, 29 years old. 21 starts for LA Galaxy last year, three goals and four assists. Um, had six goals and four assists in 2020, and then four goals and six assists in 2019. Um, broke into the league in 2015 uh, with eight goals and 18 starts. Um, and then looking at his USA, U.S. men's national team, um, has started twice for the World Cup qualifying 
um, this time around for Team USA and has recorded a goal. So, you know, tough to say goodbye to Teal, but happy to welcome in Sebastian Leggett, who I think will be a big part of what the Revolution do offensively this season. Um, you know, I really think that the Revolution adding another really good offensive player can really help take the pressure off, you know, the three DPs. And um, I think specifically Carlos Heel gives him another guy that he can pass the ball to, another kind of playmaker too. So it doesn't feel like Carlos is the only guy that has to make plays. Um, so I think it's an exciting it's an exciting uh, trade for the Revolution. Um, you know, it was really tough losing Tejan Buchanan um, just to see how well he played for the team this year. So um, he'll be missed. Teal Bunbury will be missed, but it'll be exciting to have Sebastian Legette back. The Revolution uh, begin their season, I think, February 26th uh, is their first game. So we'll keep you updated, obviously, as the season uh, gets closer, um, as opposed to the local... Or, Going with the or continuing to talk about the local teams, uh, no Red Sox news, you know, no baseball news really is that a lockout continues to be a thing. It doesn't sound like there's going to be a resolution before the new year. So, you know, things will remain quiet. So I think in terms of our, you know, non-local things, I think it makes sense for us to go back to the NFL, take a look at uh, week 15 and some of the games, uh, News that just came down, uh, you know, minutes ago. Uh, there are three games in Week 15 that will be moved. The Cleveland Browns and uh, Las Vegas Raiders game that was supposed to be played uh, tomorrow afternoon has now been rescheduled uh, to Monday at 5 o'clock. Um that game in Cleveland, Minnesota and Chicago will be the Monday night football game, which will be played as usual. Patriots and Colts tomorrow night will be played tomorrow as usual. Um, and then two games added to the schedule on Tuesday, Seattle against Los Angeles, and then Washington against Philadelphia. Both of those games will be Tuesday night at 7. So, obviously, NFL Week 15 began last last night. Uh, the Chiefs outlasting the Chargers 34-28 in overtime. And boy, do I have a lot of thoughts about this game. Uh, obviously, Kansas City, as elite as they are offensively, uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, over 400 yards. Travis Kelsey, nearly 200 yards receiving. Caught the game-winning touchdown in overtime. But the L.A. Chargers, way too over-aggressive in this game. Um, you know, if you saw this, the Chargers give up or, you know, go for it on fourth and goal two times, you know, inside the 10-yard line. Both times they decide to go for it. Don't get it. You know, don't kick field goals. You know, and honestly had another instance where they went for it on fourth down um, in field goal range. So, you know, in theory, the Chargers probably should have won this game in, in regulation. And um, I just will go on a little bit of a rant here that, you know, the Patriots have been criticized all season long for being too conservative and, you know, oh, the Patriots don't trust Mac Jones. You know, they don't trust his arm strength. They don't trust him to go win games. Well, 
last night's game is a perfect example of what happens when you're too over aggressive. And, you know, I understand that in the NFL, you want to score touchdowns, you want to be aggressive, and you don't want to settle for field goals and, you know, analytics, this and that. But I'm sorry. I mean, that was the most blatant, over aggressive coaching I've ever seen. And it just makes me angry that there are people that, you know, want the Patriots to play that way. And it's just like, that will not get you very far. You know, sure, you want to go for it every fourth down that's close. And I understand that, okay, they punted to Dallas in in that overtime game. But I just get really angry when people are like, oh, you know, the Patriots are too conservative and, and this and that. Oh, you know, they're not letting Mac Jones. But it's just like, you know, that's what happens when you're over aggressive. And, you know, the Patriots play that game last night and kick field goals in those situations and win the game. I mean, what's the conversation today on Twitter would have been, oh, the Patriots are, are too too conservative and, you know, they're playing not to lose. And it's just like, if you make the right calls and you win a game, you know, you should, like, I don't know. It just, it blows my mind that, you know, the Patriots played very conservative in Buffalo, you know, and it made sense. You know, it made sense. And the game plan made sense. What you did, how you executed made sense. And you won the game. And the conversation after the game is the Patriots have no confidence in Mac Jones' ability to throw the football. Well, I'm sorry. How would you like to you know, throw the ball in 50 mile an hour wins. The Patriots had a game plan and they executed and they won. End of story. And it just is like, rightfully so, the Chargers are getting, you know, railroaded for the play calling decisions last night. But it just is like, the hypocrisy is crazy. It's just like, you know. So that's just all I have to say about that game. You know, credit to Kansas City. They played a good offensive game, but man, the Chargers really have no excuse for losing that game. Um, you know, three opportunities to kick field goals that would have won you the game in regulation. And uh, lo and behold, Chiefs get the ball to start overtime, go down the field and score. And, you know, the, the Chargers were left wondering what happened. And, you know, the Chargers for sure are a very sexy team with how they're able to put up points. And, this is not any taking taking anything away from Justin Herbert. He's been phenomenal, really, ever since he's played in this league from the start last season. Um, but it just seems like there are things that that just get in this team's way. That they have great talent, but more often than not, they're making the wrong decisions in games, and it's just kind of unfortunate to see. But Kansas City gets the win. It's a good win for them. Um, as they now improve to nine and four, I believe, or ten and four, excuse me. So they uh, are now actually currently in first place in the AFC with that win. Patriots can get first place back with a win tomorrow night. Um, so that was the game last night. Uh, taking a look at the games this weekend. Um, obviously, we talked about Patriots, Colts, uh, some of these games. In the 1 o'clock window on Sunday afternoon, the Panthers 
traveling to Buffalo to play the Bills. Bills obviously uh, coming off another loss, this time in overtime last week against Tampa Bay. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, played pretty well in that game, but the Bills uh, unable to come up with big stops. They did make a good, uh, make a great comeback, which is worth noting, but ultimately came up short. I think that they get back on track with a win uh, this weekend against the Panthers, who are kind of um, in disarray with the quarterback position. Um, the Cardinals will travel to Detroit to play the Lions. I think the Cardinals get the win. It's an indoor stadium. I think the Cardinals really need to uh, get a win. You know, it just was uh, a little disappointing how they played um, against the Rams on Monday Night Football. So I really felt like they had an opportunity to prove to the league that they are legit and they didn't exactly help their cause. Um but I think they get back on track against the Lions this week with a win. They are, the Cardinals are 7-0 and away from Arizona, so I think that improves to 8-0. The Jets and the Dolphins. Dolphins have a chance to get to 500 with a win and put themselves firmly in the middle of the AFC playoff chase, which is crazy considering they were 1-7 and at one point. The team has won five in a row. Tua Tagovailoa has been playing really well. Um, so the Dolphins, I think, get to back to 500 with a win this week. Uh, the Cowboys and the Giants. Cowboys, great defensive performance last week against Washington. I think they get another good defensive performance this week. Um, but I think the offense really needs to get back on track. I think if they're going to be a team that's going to be taken seriously in the NFC. So I like the Cowboys, but I think that offense needs to have a good game for them to get back, for them to be taken seriously. Uh, Titans and the Steelers, big opportunity for the Titans uh, to get a key win. The Steelers are uh, not a team that I'm super high on. You know, it was really seemed like they had figured something out um, against the Ravens, but then come back and lose the next week. Um, The Titans, I think, get a win. The Steelers, you know, always make games close, but I think the Titans make enough plays down the stretch to win the Texans and the Jags. Jaguars obviously letting Urban Meyer go. You know, my my thought with that is, okay, why did you hire him in the first place? I just, I, I, I knew from the start that that was going to be a disaster. Um, really not sure who to take in this game. I think the Texans uh, will take it. Um, I like how Davis Mills has played this season. You know, obviously the Texans are not winning games, but I think that he has given them some hope that, okay, you can maybe start to think about possibly building around this guy. So um, I like the Texans to beat the Jags um, in the late window on Sunday. Uh, the Bengals and the Broncos, two teams that I think really need a win. Um, two teams that, you know, surprisingly have been in the playoff chase almost all season. I think this is going to be a really good game, but I think the Bengals need to score enough points in this game. Uh, Broncos obviously have had a really good defense this year. You know, if this game is in Denver, it's always kind of a challenge to play there. Um, I do think the Broncos win at home, um, but I think this is a possibility to be very close. Uh, Falcons and 49ers, you know, oddly, you know, looking at that Atlanta team, the night the Patriots beat them and, you know, embarrassed them, the Falcons are 6-7. and seven. They're only a game out of the playoffs. Um, in the NFC, or actually I think they're maybe tied for that last playoff spot. So it's still, you know, a, 
a possibility for the Falcons, but I like the 49ers in this game. I think they're going to score a lot of points in that game. The Packers and the Ravens at 425. Ravens, not sure if Lamar Jackson will play. They will be at home, and uh, it's just kind of not been going. It's not gone well for the Ravens over the last couple of weeks. You know, they've had some losses, some wins that they've not looked good in. This is going to be a tough ask for them to uh, beat Aaron Rodgers, you know, especially if Lamar Jackson can't play. Um, I think if he does play, he does have a bounce back game, but I think the Packers win uh, this game either way. Uh, Saints and Buccaneers, I like the Bucks in this one. Uh, the Saints have kind of had trouble scoring points almost all season, even with Kamara coming back. Uh, the Bucks 6-0 and at home. I expect that to improve to 7-0. and um, Then Monday night, obviously Raiders and Browns. The game rescheduled from tomorrow afternoon. So this game will be played at 5 o'clock on Monday. Big game for both of these teams. Um, I like the Browns at home. The Raiders have just kind of not played not played great as a team the last couple of weeks. Have had some poor offensive performances, some bad defensive performances. Um, so I like the Browns in this one. Vikings and the Bears. The Vikings need this game desperately, but I think that Justin Fields has a good performance in this game. Um, and I think the Bears uh, spring the upset. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. I think the Bears play well defensively um, and get the win. And then Tuesday, two games at 7 o'clock, the Seahawks and the Rams. Rams probably can put the final final nail in the Seahawks' coffin this season, and I expect that to happen. I think the Rams get the win. And then Washington and Philadelphia, both teams at 6-7. and seven. I like the Eagles at home. Um, so now I think we'll take a look at the NFL standings. See where things shake out as uh, week 15 got underway last week, or last night, excuse me. Um, so as we mentioned, the Chiefs currently the number one seed based on the win last night. Patriots obviously in second, followed by the Titans and the Ravens in terms of the division winners and then the wild card spots at the moment, Los Angeles, Indianapolis, and Buffalo. So currently... Teams that are on the outside looking in, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Denver all have records similar to Buffalo, but Buffalo does have tiebreakers at the moment, so that's why they are in the seventh spot. But, I mean, just massive games for all these teams this weekend. Um, and even a team like Miami, 6-7, and seven, just a game out of the playoffs. So possibility that they keep winning and they make things interesting. Um so, you know, every team in the AFC is alive right now, except for the Jets, the Texans, and the Jags. And all of these teams have a solid chance of making the playoffs. You know, this is what's so interesting about adding that extra wild card spot, that there are so many more teams that are, that are involved. Um, in the NFC, Green Bay, still maintaining that number one seed over Tampa Bay and Arizona. Um so Green Bay is in that first spot after Arizona loses to the Rams last week. So Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Arizona, and Dallas, the division winners, and then the wild card teams at the moment, the Rams, the 49ers, and Washington. And then you have Minnesota, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and the Saints, um, all tied at 6-7. and seven. The only team eliminated officially in the NFC is the Detroit Lions, Chicago, 
and the Giants at 4 and 9, which is two games out of the playoffs. I guess the Seattle it's not it's possible that they still make the playoffs, but they have not really looked like a playoff team at any point this year. Um, so that's how things look. Uh, obviously, you know, we'll update you next week as we uh, will probably record on Thursday. Not thinking that I'm going to record on Christmas Eve. I don't think I'll have too many listeners for that. But uh, obviously, enjoy the games this weekend and uh, be advised if there are any other games that have to be moved due to COVID. Um so we'll give you some quick notes on some college basketball. Uh, top 25 poll came out on Monday. Obviously, things changed, and Baylor is now uh, the new number one after obviously winning last year, so they're back at number one. Duke, Purdue, UCLA, and Gonzaga round out the top five. Um, teams that uh, dropped very far, Arkansas dropped from 12th to 24th, Kentucky dropped from 11th to 21st, Texas from 7 to 17. And then Houston currently, uh, or no, sorry, I thought that they were a new team. No, they just did not move. They were at 14, and they did not move. Some teams that have jumped, uh, Seton Hall from 23 to 17, Ohio State from 21 to 15, Auburn from 18 to 13, Michigan State from 19 to 12, and then Iowa State and USC up from 17th and 16th, respectively. Um, at the moment, in terms of teams that are undefeated, at the moment, uh, Baylor's still undefeated, 9-0, Arizona 9-0, they're ranked 8th, USC, Iowa State, as just mentioned, 10th and 10th. 10th and 11th, they have not lost either. LSU is 9-0. Colorado State is 10-0. So update you guys on key games this weekend. Gonzaga and Texas Tech will play tomorrow afternoon at 1. UNC and North 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 Carolina and Kentucky will play uh, tomorrow at 5.30. UNC unranked, and Kentucky is 12th. So that's probably it for a quick little college basketball run around. I think we'll uh, talk to you guys about a little college football. I'm not going to get into a preview yet for the college football playoff. I think it's more appropriate to do that when we get closer. Um, so in all likelihood, you know, looking at the calendar for the next two weeks for the podcast, um, I'm thinking that I will do I will do one on the 23rd and then the 30th. Um, so that will be just in time for a pre- preview. Uh, but I think it does make sense to go through some of the college football games that will be going on between now and the next time the next podcast uh, bowl season actually began um, this afternoon at noon, Middle Tennessee. And Toledo played the first bowl game of the season. Middle Tennessee coming out on top, 31-24. to 24. Um, And then there's a game going on at 6 o'clock. Uh, Northern Illinois against Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina was ranked for a good portion of last season. Um, and I think for a portion of this season, that game is on ESPN2. Tonight in the Cure Bowl, the Bahamas Bowl was played earlier today. 
Um, and then, so I'll just go through games that look interesting. Um, UAB against 13th ranked BYU. That's tomorrow at 3.30 in the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, 23rd ranked Louisiana will go up against Marshall tomorrow night at 9.15. Those are some key games tomorrow. And uh, Tuesday, 21st, if you're not uh, interested in watching either of the NFL games that are going on, uh, you can watch UTSA against 24th ranked San Diego State in the Frisco Bowl. Both of these teams uh, ranked for good portions of the season. So I think that will be a pretty good game. And then Missouri and Army in the Armed Forces Bowl on Wednesday, the 22nd at 8 o'clock in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, the Frisco Bowls in Frisco, Texas um, on Tuesday. So those are just some games that we that will look at uh, for the coming week. Um, so I think with that, I think that that probably probably does it for for me this week. I know I said that you know things were going to be a little shortened this week just with you know, COVID issues, especially with the Bruins. Um, it's just hard to, you know, come to an assessment with them based on the fact that they have been missing regular players the last two games. So um, at the moment, at the time of recording, Bruins are still on for their game Saturday, or uh, excuse me, Sunday at five in Ottawa. I would expect, though, that that game does get postponed. But, you know, we'll see if the Bruins have to play, then they have to play. And, you know, you got to do what you got to do, you know. Um and then the Bruins will also play Tuesday at the Garden against Carolina. You know, be interesting to see if that game uh, still gets played. But anyway, thanks for, for tuning in, you guys. We'll uh, talk to you next week. As always, you can follow the uh, Twitter page and the Facebook page. And, um, you know, follow, listen on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating on uh, both of those things. And, uh We will uh, talk to you next week. Happy holidays, everyone.